Welcome to the Holistic Health Duo Show with your hosts, Vanessa and Thanos. Counselor, naturopath, nutritionist, herbalist, acupuncturist. We work with clients all around Australia and in Europe, assisting them on their health and wellness journey. Here on the show, we'll be talking all things holistic health and wellness, parenting, mindfulness, meditation, nutrition, and much more. We'll be sharing health truths, tips, and recommendations to inspire you to start living your best life possible. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Holistic Health Duo Show. On today's episode, I am interviewing the beautiful Georgie Collinson. She is an anxiety mindset coach, nutritionist and naturopath, and she helps women with high-functioning anxiety, helping them to create a more balanced mind, body and business. In today's episode, we talk about what anxiety is and how to better manage anxiety and how to better understand anxiety. So let's dive into today's episode. Hi, Georgie. We are so happy to have you on our podcast show. So welcome to today's episode. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Now, I like to always start off our episodes with asking um, one question, which is, what is one thing that you love to do for self-care? Oh, oh my gosh, there's so many things. But probably like my favorite is just putting on some music and dancing and moving my body and not even caring how I look and just doing it just for the feel of what it feels like to, to move. I just think that's one of the best ways we can relieve stress. I'll do it sometimes at the end of the day. I'll do it sometimes to start the day. And it just reconnects me with my body and gets me out of my head and all of the like thinking going on that we tend to do in our days. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love that one. I've been doing a lot more of that myself, actually, especially being in lockdown at the moment. I think you're in Melbourne too. I am. Yes. And that's exactly right. Like it's one of those things through last year too, when we were in that really long lockdown, it just keeps you feeling like you've got that little bit of like freedom and playfulness for yourself. Because I think we just have to cultivate those moments. Otherwise we get too serious in life and we don't do it. And we just can't remember the last time we just sort of, yeah, danced around and let loose and act like a little kid without necessarily needing the atmosphere of alcohol and, you know, a party going on, right? I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm really trying to build um, a list of uh, different self-care rituals that all of our listeners can, you know, note down and apply because, you know, sometimes we hear things, but they don't necessarily resonate with us. So it's so important to find what feels good and right for you and brings you joy. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, I totally agree. You've got to find your own mix of these things. <laughs> so, so true. So you are an anxiety mindset coach and a nutritionist. Is that right? I am. Yes. And I'm a naturopath as well. So that just includes herbal medicine at the end of the day and um, it, with the nutrition and just a holistic uh, approach to managing whatever we're looking at. But anxiety is my favorite thing to work with. Great. And like, I know for myself being a counsellor and anxiety is so common 
you know, with women and I only work with women myself. So that's one of the things that get reported almost in every session with every client is I'm experiencing anxiety. So I really wanted to have this chat with you today and get your view on things and see what kind of approach you have and how you sort of, um, you know, help clients in managing their anxiety because it looks so different to everybody. Everyone experiences it so differently. Yeah, I think it's easy to think that you're doing okay because there's a part of us that likes part of the anxiety, especially if it's the high functioning type, which means simply that you're functioning, you're getting on with your life, you're getting everything done. Maybe you, from the outside, you're aware, you kind of look like the high achiever, you got it all together, you're being the amazing mom, the partner, you're getting um, where you want to be in your career, or you're really driven and you've got all these ideas of where you want to take your your life in that sense in the professional world. Um, maybe you're also the socialite or not, but that can be part of it too. Or, or you might not even be a socialite, but just like, oh, hang on, I've got to keep maintain those five really close friendships and I've got to make sure I've seen them and and keep up you know with my appearances with these people in case they let, like forget me and stop inviting me to things like this sense of perfectionism is really really key in the high functioning anxiety um and we can look like a successful great well together person from the outside and so there's an element of that that we like we're like oh I like the part of me that kicks me into into gear and gets me doing all these things and calculating and kind of like making sure I'm on top of it all but at the same time and that's all like can be great but at the same time we've got to ask these questions like who are we living this life for? Are you really living it for you? Is this authentic to what you really want? Or is there maybe some other kind of approval that you might be seeking through this behavior? Are you actually enjoying your life? Are you really getting what you want out of life? Because so many of us, we're chasing this dream of like, then when I get the thing, then when I'm, you know, when I made partner in the law firm or when I've like reached seven figures in my business, then I'll relax, then life will all fall into place. And the thing is, when does that happen? And sometimes we get to that place and it doesn't even happen then. In fact, more often than not, the journey, the way that we get to whatever goal we have, whatever that might be for you, tends to be where we stay even when we get there. And so it's this whole muddle of trying to work out what's really important to you, how are you living your life and, and getting away from that feeling of always feeling like you're behind because our minds are always finding problems in our lives. Even if we solve, if you wrote down every problem that you have right now in your life on a list and I could say tomorrow, I'm going to wave a magic wand and all of that's going to go away. Everything will be solved and wrapped up into a nice little package. I have no doubt your mind will then find a whole new list of problems within a few hours, within a week, there'll be new problems. And this is the thing. We have to learn at some point that we will always be living a life full of problems. There will always be the ability for our mind to find a new problem. And so at what point do we actually stop and say, I'm ready now to get off this. Like, I'm going to have a break from this problem seeking and problem solving. And I'm actually just going to be here now in my life where I am in acceptance of everything. So that is kind of the, the, the point that we want to get to eventually. But the way that I work with this is 
a lot to do with that mind piece and kind of learning how your mind works, knowing this isn't just you. Like we always think that what my mind is thinking is what only me, it's just me. I'm the only one that like keeps coming up with problems and, and feels this way and has an inner critic that beats me up. The thing is we all do. And when we start to see, ah, this is the mind. This is just what the mind does. It criticizes, it finds problems. We get to then kind of get a little suspicious of it and step aside from it and observe it, which gives us a whole new perspective that allows us to um, find that real control there, which is being able to just observe what your mind's doing and know that you don't have to go with it. You don't have to trust it. So that mindset component is one huge one. Um, I, I work with a framework. It's called the Anxiety Reset Method. And in this, we use, a, we use a visual of a shield. It's called the resilience shield that has these nine components to it. So one of the components is the mindset work. And that's possibly one of the largest components just because our minds, we have to be a little bit vigilant with them and we have to be quite consistent to actually change the, the programming. Um, so that's something that takes a bit of dedication there. But then the other parts of this puzzle are looking out for our gut health because the balance of our gut microbiome actually does have an impact on how our brain functions. It has an impact on how well that we, we um uh, able to sort of balance and regulate different chemicals in our brain, such as serotonin. GABA is another one. GABA is the one that calms us down. Um, dopamine is another. And all of these are helped to be regulated by our microbiome. Um, there's our hormones as well that are playing into it. So particularly the most obvious way this is playing into it is when you notice that as a woman, um, if you are not taking any kind of hormonal contraceptive, you notice you just, and you're just cycling naturally, um, that anxiety is always worse those days leading up to your period. For some women, it's two weeks. Like it's the full post, anytime post ovulation, you just hit this kind of, this, this real chemical shift in your body where something you, you might sort of, your partner might do something annoying and you just can't like stop yourself from being irritated by that. But if they did it on another day, you would have been fine with it. It's the resilience there is low. And so that's the PMS kind of piece that, again, is something we can manage. It's something physical in our bodies that we can actually work with and change. And I just find that so exciting that we don't always have to be at the mercy of anxiety thinking, oh, it's just going to come and hit me out of nowhere and I don't know why. Yes. I love really, Vanessa, looking at where are the what where is this coming from so that we can kind of go, oh, now I have the power because I can do something about it. Yes. Mm, I love all of that. I think that is so important. Quite often when we have anxiety or experiencing anxiety, we're zooming into the anxiety and we're really focusing on what we're feeling in that moment. But it's so important that we do exactly what you said and really zoom out and look at that whole big picture and that holistic approach and having a look at the hormones, having a look at the gut health and having a look at your vitamin, mineral, um, do you have any deficiencies? You know, am I low in vitamin D? Is that why I'm feeling so, you know, low and lacking energy? Am I low in iron? You know, there's so much to consider. It's not just the anxiety. Like why is the anxiety there? And that's what we actually do. We always, we always try to find the root cause of a problem and then you have something to walk away with to start working on rather than just this is my life. This is this is going to be my life for the rest of my life, you know, and that's what a lot of people actually feel when they are experiencing anxiety. 
And I almost feel from the experience I've had that that belief, this is just me and I'm stuck and I can't change, is part of the anxiety and it keeps you stuck in it because you think that there's something special about you that is a flaw in your personality and your physicality that has stopped you from being able to get the changes that, you know, we see stories all the time of people improving their lives, improving their stress response, becoming way less anxious. And I say that because we cannot get rid of anxiety completely from our life experience. In fact, it's it's a wonderful little messenger. It's a little alarm bell in our bodies to tell us when something is out of balance. And I mean that in a very general sense. Um, you know, it's 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 in the sense of it could be your job, the workplace is toxic and it's just like you feel dread about that particular job. And if you change jobs to something that was um, more supportive and nurturing, um, maybe the anxiety would completely resolve pretty much. Um, or it could be the gut health, it could be the hormones. The nutrition part is super interesting too because, of course, our brain to function and to think clearly, to have those um, messengers moving between brain cell to brain cell that allows us to think clearly, calmly, make decisions, requires nutrients, requires a steady flow of energy through the form of often glucose. So this is just feeding our bodies at regular intervals, not letting our blood sugar drop, which happens if we leave it too long between meals or, you know, and as women, right, we often think we're doing a good thing when we skip meals. Like there's a part of us that thinks, oh, good, I've consumed less calories today. Yay. Um, and that's conditioned to us into us in a very young age. Um, I can remember thinking those kind of thoughts as a, you know, teenager, and thinking like, maybe I'll just eat salad for a week and that's a good thing. Um, and, and only salad. <laughs> so th- that kind of thinking plays into it. And it's so easy to then think, oh, it's kind of good that I didn't eat breakfast or it's kind of good that I forgot to eat lunch. Um, but of course, what we're doing is we're just setting ourselves up for anxiety and making it harder for ourselves to feel peaceful and loving towards towards ourselves in our lives. Um, so the nutrition piece is, is huge as well. And that's definitely a, a key component. Um, but breaking through this idea, I think for me, it was really, I used to think that I was stuck with anxiety and I'd always be like that for the rest of my life because I looked at my family. I looked at my siblings and my, and my, um, mom and my grandmother. So especially the women in my family all seemed to have this link. And so I believed it is genetic and, and I'm sure there is some kind of gene playing into things there. Um, in fact, I've done some genetic testing, DNA testing myself, and so I can see some genes and DNA that, that play into it. But the thing we have to realise about genes and what we inherit from our family members is that those genes can be, especially when they're related to um changes in our body that can go wrong you could say they can be switched on and they can be switched off we have so much more power than we realize and we can change that so you know and and we can change like I had obviously learned um, an example might be my mom still to this day gets stressed going to the airport the airport has to come with stress it has to cut it doesn't matter if she's super early for the flight it's just (gasps) we're going to the airport and it's like this just conditioned response and the thinking around it, right? The thoughts, I, I've never really 
I asked her what she's thinking, but I imagine it's something like, what if we miss the flight? What if it doesn't work out? Um, oh gosh, like just the whole idea of organizing the taxi is, is a stress and, and all of these things. And yet uh, that thinking is something that I started to absorb too. And I used to think in my you know earlier years, like, oh God, the airport's such a stressful <laughs> thing until I started to travel on my own and experiment with this mindset work. And I realized, oh, hang on, this actually doesn't have to be stressful at all. And I kind of pride myself in being able to be really calm through an airport just because again, it solidifies and proves to me, I don't have to take on that behavior that I saw and learned. Bless my mom. She's a wonderful person, but you know, it's just like a habit. She just goes into on autopilot. Um, but it's cool to see, I don't have to do that. And again, these the family kind of traits or behaviors we think we've just inherited and that's just who I am. Uh-uh, doesn't have to be. Yes, you can definitely break the cycle. And, you know, your lifestyle plays such a huge role. And that's why, you know, when I'm sitting with a client myself, I always make sure that we take into consideration every different aspect of a person's life before we start to make changes where is it that the anxiety is probably you know causing the most issues or what's causing the anxiety and then we take that into consideration as well so it's so important to really zoom out and have a look at it all and we do learn behaviors and we do look at you know other people uh, as we're growing up it might not even be a parent might be just someone who we really admired and we sort of focus on what they're doing and we start to, to mimic it we start to copy it and it becomes normal for us so it is so important that when we get to a certain stage in our life that we say I'm really responsible for how I choose to now respond to this it's not just a matter of this happened to me so therefore it's going to continue that way but I really have the power I might need a coach or a counsellor or a nutritionist to step in and be able to provide me with some guidance and support but I have that power and you know, I just have to unlock it exactly and it, it, it can be a road I think we can um, kind of shoot ourselves in the foot when we have this expectation of like someone for something to work, it's going to fix me within a month, you know, or a, a few sessions. And it's like, well, actually we do need that consistency. The mind learns through repetition. It needs to see, um, to, you need to be able to build those new neural pathways. And when you're used to thinking a certain way, such as waking up every morning, <gasps> another day, all this stuff I have to do versus trying to build a new thought pathway of, ah, and what wonderful things might happen to me today. Like it's going to take a bit of work to just rewire that whole process and start to think differently about your life, about your day um, and respond differently. But it's so doable. I just, I can remember so clearly how impossible it used to seem. Have you ever had that experience too? Like when you sort of first encountered this stuff and it was like, how am I ever going to think differently? Like it's, it seems really hard. It does. And like I experienced anxiety as a child and as a teenager. So it did feel like, well, this is it now. That's just how I'm going to be. And it was almost like, that's my personality. Like that's who I am. And it was only until I learned that that was a separate thing to me. And I actually could manage and control it that I took control of my life again. Yeah. yeah. It's the coolest thing. I just think it's, um, really, really powerful to know that about ourselves, that we can, uh, we can honestly be whoever we want to be. One of my favorite ways of like instilling that thought or that, that belief in yourself when if you're, you're, you know, to anyone listening who has never kind of, um, 
really felt that they can be someone other than the anxious person. Um, I absolutely love the whole process of cold water therapy and it's very polarizing. Some people are just like, she lost me at the cold showers, but <laughs> I encourage you to bear with me because it's honestly one of those experiences where essentially there's all these benefits when we immerse our bodies in cold water um, from, you know, strengthening our immune system. We can build our white blood cell count. Uh, we reduce inflammation. We can increase our ability to manage stress. Um, we also release endorphins. Like it feels amazing to immerse yourself in the cold, um, especially on the other side of it. That initial sting has to happen, but you only need about 30 seconds of cold water in your shower. You can have it at the end of your hot shower or you can have it straight away just going to a cold shower. Doesn't matter. Um, and afterwards you feel this beautiful rush of energy. The blood flows moving, blood moving to your brain as well, which again is that clarity of thought. Um, but apart from the physical benefits, the thing that amazes me the most about this whole experience, and it's something that I started last year, just as we went into the last lockdown, I was looking for another challenge, something to shift. Again, I love just like challenging, who do I think I am? I thought I was the, the hot girl, the girl that likes, as in not the hot girl, the girl <laughs> that likes warm things, tropical weather, summer, uh, like the, a bath as hot as you can make it. That was me. I'm totally all about that. And I still am. But I thought, hang on, can I be this girl that also can like jump into a cold ocean or just like walk straight into a cold shower, like with a smile on my face? And the idea seemed really challenging to me at the start. And that's how I knew I was kind of like close to something gold. So if this feels challenging to you any or anyone listening, like that's how you know, like maybe just see what's there for you um, because it's so cool when we do it anyway and we kind of see, oh, my God, I can do this uncomfortable thing. I can be this person I didn't think I could be. I can walk into a cold shower, smile on my face, giggle as the cold water stings me and or maybe have a little shriek but like in a really um, kind of energized way, feeling excited for the day. And, you know, it really challenges our idea of who we think we are and it makes you feel like I'm invincible, I can do anything. And so if you can become the woman that can walk into a cold cold shower, which most women I think probably detest the idea of that, who else can you be? And that's where we start to think I can be I can be someone who's calm and grounded majority of the time. That can be the place that I live. So true. I could never jump or dive into the ocean cold, like never. I would have to, even on a hot summer's day, it was still like oh, going in really slow. And I actually um, found it really interesting how my stepchildren would just dive right in and not have a second thought. And I was like, hang on a second, can they not feel it? And they're like, it's it only lasts a second, just do it, you know? And it was then that I just started to jump without having that whole thinking process. I just did it. And yeah, there was an initial few seconds of, whoa, and then it was over and then I was able to enjoy it. So it yes. is the mindset. That's all it is. Exactly. And it, and that's super powerful too, the ability to just take action without the overthinking and the, the decision-making that kind of trips us up in other areas of our life. And that's what anxiety does. And I think it's great training for that part as well. So, I mean, as Wim Hof says, and anyone who hasn't heard of him, he's like the father of the cold water thing. Um, go look him up, Wim Hof. But he says, don't think, just do. 
and cold is your friend. And if you just walk into that shower saying cold is my friend, cold is my friend, it completely changes the experience. And you're right, it's a moment of that sting. And then after about 15 to 30 seconds, you just you just relaxed. Yes. And it's interesting because you said the cold is my friend and I quite often view anxiety a bit like that as well. It's kind of like we need to befriend it in a way. It's going to be there regardless. And like you said earlier, we all, you know, have it and we're all going to have it for the rest of our life. So how can we befriend it and see it as not necessarily um, a friend or an enemy, but something that we can use to our advantage? You know, we need Mm -hmm. a level of anxiety to actually motivate us to do things, you know, and I always use the example of if you've got a test coming up or an interview coming up and you don't care at all because you've got no anxiety about it whatsoever you might not do so great if you've got too much anxiety then you might be so overwhelmed that you just kind of freeze and nothing really happens so you need that balanced amount of anxiety to motivate you enough to do it absolutely that can be that positive little bit that kind of get kick starts you but unfortunately what happens is I think that we start to overly glorify and and think that that's a good thing oh look how wound up I am about my day and like look how busy I am and I'm so stressed I've just got so much on we think that's good look how like in control I am because I'm so stressed about it and it's like uh I don't know that's not how I want to live my life I think I, I but yeah there's definitely that sense of um you know a little kick up the butt to get things done and that's great but yeah. then We also need to be the loving parent to ourselves there in that moment and kind of go, um, you know, yes, do your your homework, study for your exams kind of thing. Um, Look out for yourself, but also you've got to have fun and you've got to like nurture yourself and be kind to yourself. And um, that's that's a skill that most of us don't learn because our role models that are teaching us that, how to be kind to ourselves, Um, are our parents most of the time and they are usually deficient in some way at meeting all of our needs and that's just something we even the most well-intentioned loving parents can do that where there might have been a day where they were tired and you were having a tantrum and they couldn't hold you the way that you needed in that moment because they were exhausted and they said hey can you just get get it together come on just enough now And so we learn to do that with ourselves, get it together. I'll just push through. I don't need, it's okay. I can do this. Um, And we, we ignore that yearning for rest, for play, for fun, for just to be wrapped up in a blanket and, you know, it's just enjoying life and and wrapping ourselves up as well um, is something that can be really challenging for a lot of people who haven't been shown that. Or we associate guilt with it. Like, if I'm lying down and resting or having a nap, like, oh, does that make me lazy? I should feel guilty for taking time out for myself. I should be doing this or I should be doing that. That's something that we're, you know, trying to promote so much more of is that there really isn't a rule around that. It's whatever feels right for you and what your body needs in that moment. I know it's funny, like we think there's going to be some kind of uh, judgment or someone, someone who's handing out a gold star for the fact that you didn't rest and you worked really hard because maybe that's what we were shown uh, in high school or, um, you know, maybe that's what our parents rewarded. Oh, look, you know, you worked so hard or you didn't work hard enough and you're lazy and that's why you've, you haven't got the marks that have, um, you know, pleased us. One of the things, that was definitely a huge thing for me. I was always called lazy. I was, um, in fact, even as a 
three-year-old, I used to walk really slowly um, so that I'd be picked up. And uh, they and my family would call me Dawdle because of that. And I mean, look, I I don't know. Looking back at that three year old now, I'm like, that's pretty smart, you know. I, <laughs> that was efficient use of my energy. Um, just looking to hack the system a bit, but but I was ridiculed for that and um, and called Dawdle and lazy. And um, that sort of identity stayed with me and and had me in that guilt cycle with a lot of these things. And breaking through that was a huge part and reframing what these things mean was a huge part of me um better managing my anxiety was things like I'm a natural night owl so I naturally can work better in the evening and I like a slower morning and starting my day later and 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 working for myself I've been able to make my life work for me in that way. But there was a time where it was like, no, no, you're up at 7.30 at the latest. Like if you sleep in beyond that, you're lazy. Um, You have to, you know, work this many hours in a day, you know, all these certain rules that who makes these up? And, And it took someone actually just asking me, how would you like to spend your day? What would your ideal day look like? And I'd start with, oh, I guess I'd like start at 9am. No, what do you really want? I'm like, oh, I mean, I really would want to start at 10am. Like, and and sort of working with that, there's so much conditioning that we have to break through um, if we want to build this ideal life that works for us. And I feel so much um, pride for myself that I kind of, um, have was strong enough to just go, you know what? No, this is how I want to live my life. Nice. Um, you know, being able to see that another huge part was learning about my cycle and learning that as a woman with hormones that are fluctuating through the month, we are not designed to be 100% productivity every single day. And yet that's what our workforce is kind of um, centered around is, you know, obviously you, you I hopefully get your weekends off. Some some professions you work weekends too. Um, and so with those scenarios, right, we get this sense that there's something wrong with us if we're not productive every single day. Um, and there's the guilt around that too. And now there is a built-in system in our bodies as women that for about the a week or more of our cycle, um, those days leading up to our period and the days that we are bleeding, or at least maybe the first couple days, um, depends on what your period is like. This is our downtime. This is our time to do the bare minimum and to say no to things. And so I'm not saying you don't show up to work, but I'm just saying maybe you don't schedule that huge presentation that day. Maybe if you can shuffle some meetings around, you do, or take on less clients that day. You kind of block out um, sections of the day in your calendar so that you are just doing tasks that are maybe um, more inward focused. Maybe you're doing your administrative stuff on those days, letting yourself recharge a little bit. Um, And then we get to see when we flow with our hormones because we naturally get this productivity this energy around our ovulation time you're gonna get all the other stuff done then you're gonna feel like a million bucks then where you're gonna just be like yes yes I can do that yes I can and this is I think where a lot of us get tripped up because we think we have some weeks where we're fine 
and some weeks where we're just really not fine. And when you start to learn what your hormones are doing, you realize why that happens. And you can make those that time where you're fine, where you can take on more of the ovulation time, even better, even more full of energy if you adequately rest during the rest time. And the permission that that has given me in my life to just be like, oh, like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm a, like, this is just where I'm at in my cycle. So it makes sense that I should have a slower afternoon. I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to just like close down the computer now and just go out for a walk, you know, and letting that be okay. Um, and it is, it does feel okay these days. Oh, that's so good that you've got to a place like that. And I have to say that for myself, I have to, you know, when you push yourself, the quality of what you're doing is quite low anyway. You know, what you're trying to produce isn't uh, at the best that it could be. So you're pushing and you're pushing through it, but you're not actually happy with the result anyway, or most of the time you're not. So when you just kind of dive inwards and say, all right, I'm going to shut it all off now. What do I nearly need? Is it a nap? Do I need to just lie on the couch and watch something? Do I need to just read a book? Do I want to have a bath? Then once you've done that and you've nourished whatever it needs nourishing, then you can kind of go back into it with more ease and more grace rather than this need to push and rush. Yeah. And you know what, with most of us um, getting more familiar with the work from home model, I'm like, never has there been a greater opportunity to practice this because you can. I think one of the most liberating things we can do is at, say, 11 a.m. in the morning, run yourself a bath and go sit in it for half an hour. It seems so naughty, right, on like a weekday. I'm not talking weekend. I'm saying weekday. Um, You know, maybe you can fit that in between meetings and other things you've got going on. But doing that and claiming that little time for yourself because it probably is only going to take you half an hour oh my God, can just be the most exciting thing to just feel nurtured and supported and balanced in your life. And like bringing in, it's always like, how can we bring in those holiday vibes that we only grant ourselves for two, four weeks of the year into our like day? You can do that if you have a bathtub or maybe it's a cold shower you're going to have to like you know, shake things up for yourself. But there's so many ways we can do that. Or 10 minutes of putting on music in the living room and just like dancing around like a 12-year-old in her bedroom, you know, just giving yourself those moments, I think just cultivate such joy for ourselves and pleasure and and just totally shifts our energy and and the way that we then think about our day. Um, And I think that that time of our cycle, we just have to be thinking about these things and, um, and looking after ourselves in those ways. So true. So true. And, you know, the, the dancing and all of that, it just lightens the mood. Like every, any, any problem that you could be having, like it just automatically feels uh, solvable or, or manageable because you've just lightened the mood. And that's all it can take rather than just being so in your head in that moment. Absolutely. You know, there are there is a natural flow that we go through in our lives of, especially as cycling women, of having inspiration and ideas and then going into a state of almost confusion, not knowing what to do, where to go, um, not feeling the inspiration. And that is that time before you bleed. And it's really amazing to, again, be in tune with that, especially if you're working in a role or your job requires lots of creativity, lots of new ideas, to know that the ideas are going to come just on the other side of, of as your hormones move and you're going to get some juicy ideas. If you try and force all the ideas out of yourself in that time just before your period, 
they're probably just not going to quite have the impact that they would have if you let yourself be in the void of I don't know yet and then just let that inspiration drop in. And I don't think we do that enough. Again, we expect ourselves to show up day in, day out, work like dogs, be robots, and we're just not built that way. No, no. I wanted to touch on what you said earlier about sort of that high-functioning anxiety where we're always feeling that we should be doing so much and that we should be achieving. I think a lot of that, uh, because we've got social media these days and we're looking at other women on online and what they're doing, and, you know, we have to face that people most of the time are only showing what they want to show. So, they, you know, it's quite positive and there's always like, it's almost like a highlight reel of their life. But to someone who is on the other side looking at these photos and images and scrolling, can do you believe that that can play a huge impact on that high-functioning anxiety that they should be doing and they, and they should be hustling more? A million percent. I mean, gosh, I saw a uh, something pop up on my Instagram this morning about how you can use these filters now that make your waist slimmer just like in a video so instead of Facetune and things like this where you could just edit a photo, now people are able to edit moving video. And it's just so scary about how that warps our perception of what is normal, what is acceptable and how we should look. Um, so I think there's huge pressure on the, the how we look. Um, but also, you know, how many people are showing this super glamorous existence, the the travel bloggers, the people who are even working. So like my, the way that I work, and I was definitely sold into this idea is that, you know, you work from your computer and I do, and I, and I, you know, it's amazing, but I always saw myself, you know, being able to travel with my work and that's, you know, possibly going to be an option one day. It's just COVID came in and kind of took, took away a lot of that opportunity for me. But um, you know, this idea that that's so glamorous and that's so wonderful. But the thing is, it can also be behind the scenes, right? When you're actually living that kind of life. I mean, I did a trip just interstate to Byron Bay earlier this year and there was, you know, oh, is my internet connection going to work when I get to the place? Um, is, you know, shuffling clients around to make sure it all fits in with the the travel. And, and it, it's still, it's still like, it sounds great but you're still on, you're still working, you're still kind of um, organising a lot and that can be very tiring and exhausting. There's something beautiful about a regular routine and being in one place as well, you know, and that's just one side of the, the say, the the industry of those digital nomads, the people who are work, moving around the world with their work or, or even just moving around the country with their work. Um, those are the things that no one talks about when you're just like, Oh God, like the internet connection's really bad at this at this Airbnb. Like, what are we gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and um that stuff happens and and no one and it just looks all great. But then you're sitting in this beautiful place and you're feeling stressed out of your mind because you know you've got business stuff to kind of work through. That's just one example of like how it's not always as like perfect as it looks, and no one. No one is as perfect as it looks. Something I've also that's come to light for me recently is um, learning just how many of these 
perfect relationships we see, right? But I'm sure you've seen some of those Instagram couples and they're beautiful and amazing and it's like, look at our sacred union and it's all wonderful. Um, But you you do learn um, that these couples don't have these perfect lives either. Um, You know, I don't want to get into the territory of gossip, but just I think it's really healthy for us to know um, the reality is whenever I've known someone who actually knows these people in real life or I've known them in real life, um, there is uh, always, always more to the story than just two hot people standing there in their bathing suits on a beach making out like and just saying we love each other forever and just everything's easy. It's not. Every every couple has their challenges. Every relationship has its boring moments, you know, and I think that the trouble with that is, again, the perfectionist in the high-functioning anxiety, we go, oh, I need this perfect relationship and we question, is my partner perfect enough for me? Is my relationship perfect enough? Um, should I be aspiring for more? And I think that we can be perpetually chasing that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow if we never stop and say, you know what, like I'm just grateful for all these things that I do have. I'm grateful for all the beautiful things that I do have in my partner Um, and being grateful for, I don't know, there's something I really treasure and value about someone who is grounded in reality people who are like in all relationships in my life, people who are like, yeah, you know what? This is real life. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we are going to just be distressed and going through challenge. And, you know, I don't necessarily like in a romantic relationship want someone who's just going to look good and tell me that they're just like going to treasure me forever as their queen. I would actually rather someone who's realistic about things and says, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to be here. Yep. I think that's really important that we talk more and more about this, just to remind ourselves that it isn't just what it appears to be. And because, you know, uh, Instagram and also social media platforms are just so accessible to us at any point of the day, um, that's like our magazine, that's like our news channels. So it's just so important that we, when we tune in, we have like an idea about what possibly could be real and possibly you know it might not be and be being happy and and um and and proud for other people but also not letting it impact us and how we're feeling and being grateful where we are at in that moment so I really appreciate you sharing that because it's just especially with young people some of the young women that I work with and some of the teenagers you know it is what they aspire to it's what they believe um you know is reality and then they really look down on themselves and how they're looking or how they're feeling or and I just think that's something that we need to just keep talking about you know there are so many people that I follow who are really poor and honest and I appreciate that and I can feel that on the other side um and that's what I try to follow more of so that I feel like hey that's an old person too like they're experiencing what I'm experiencing and sharing those emotions and feelings online can be really important totally I mean like I always make a point of every at least probably every couple months I want to post um an image and I don't do this for attention I do it just to normalize emotion like a photo of me when I'm having a cry you know I want to post that on my feed because I'm aware it can all look a bit perfect sometimes 
Um, and while I want to inspire and uplift people and instill them with a sense of hope, and I do genuinely believe we can make our lives really magical when we look for it. And there are magical things that happen. You know, falling in love is a beautiful thing. Nature can be so gorgeous and we can photograph it in the most beautiful ways. And that's great. But at the same time, you know, we have bad days. And even anyone who works in mental health or life coaches and these people who are just always like, you can feel amazing every day if you just choose it. It's like, no, because we're human beings and we have, life can be hard at times. And we have to like manage that that difficulty in some way. And I think that one of the best ways we can do that, one of the best ways our bodies naturally do that is through expressing emotion, having a cry, screaming into a pillow. Um, When that happens for me, when I'm having a day and I'm just feeling the ball in my throat and it's all rising up and the tears are prickling in my eyes, I just go with it because I'm like, oh, this is healthy. This is good. And on the other side of this, I get to shed and I'll flow a whole lot of stress. I'm going to feel more grounded. I'm going to feel good and centered in myself. And my body obviously just needs this today. Mm -hmm. And accepting that and not coming at it from a place of, oh, God, why am I, why am I sad? Like, I should be happy. Look at my life. Look at all these good things I have. Like, I'm berating myself as we can often do. I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is just part of being a human. Oh, here's one of these things again. And I know it just comes up. I have a cry. Some days I will cry and it will be like 10 seconds or a minute. And then I'm just like, oh, I just needed that. Maybe I heard a sad story on the news and I just needed to like feel it. Or I started to feel worried about a friend or something like that. Or, you know, maybe it's something going on in my personal life and I just needed to sit with a fear I was feeling or or, or some kind of um, grief that I had there. And I I genuinely think we are all carrying grief. It's just we and we have to kind of hold this grief of different things. It can be obviously the loss of a loved one, but it can be we go through a grief when a when a relationship ends, and that that grief can stay with us for a very very long time. The disappointment, the the feeling of like basically I've lost this very significant person in my life. Um, grief of the the job didn't work out the way I thought, or the business idea that flopped. That you know you put so much heart and soul into all these beautiful dreams that didn't come to full fruition. We have grief around those things and no one gets to escape that. And so I see it like this big wound that we kind of have sitting within us all. And it just kind of slowly feels, this is so gross, this metaphor, but you're going to, you know, it's so worth it. Just stay with me. It's like a wound filling with pus (laughs) and we have to like get like extract some of that we have to move it through um otherwise it just keeps filling and filling and filling and so crying on a regular basis um is something that can help us really healthily hold that grief and sadness that we all have within ourselves and keep ourselves feeling feeling healthy and balanced and when we don't it all kind of piles up and anxiety is almost like this flimsy damn wall trying to hold in that that huge immensity of emotion that has just been stuck and stagnant and storing up for years. Um, And so when we release it, when we finally let it go, the anxiety subsides too. Yes, and it's a sense of like cleansing as well, you know, just letting that go and then allowing the new energy to come in 
Otherwise, there's no space for it. So I'm totally on board with that as well. And as a mother of two little girls, I've always made it my my passion and my aim to model that for them as well. You know, mummy's not always just perfect and happy all the time, all day long. You know, there are moments where I'm going to be a little bit grumpy, a little bit impatient, a little bit tired, a little bit sad. And I don't want to expose them to, you know, some drama or anything, but just allowing me to perhaps be a bit teary or sit with it or lie down and they come and lie next to me and see that I'm a human who goes through these emotions. And if I'm modeling positive ways in managing that, I hope that I can pass that on to them as well so they can then manage that better in their life rather than this is a bad thing. You shouldn't be feeling sad. Crying is not a good thing. You know, that makes you look weak. Things like that. Yeah. Totally. And then, you know, if you did try and this is what I think a lot of parents do is try to hold it all in and don't show your children when you're upset. But then that one day in like the first time they see you break down, you can't control it in front of them. They would just be like, what is going on? This is like the scariest thing ever. Why is mom upset? Whereas when they see mom a little bit upset from time to time, it's like, oh yeah, like this is okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's just being okay with that as an adult and as a parent as well especially yeah. during lockdown and things, you know, like we're all going through different emotions. We're all in the same household at the one time. There's very little time to escape. So how can we sit with that and just kind of share that and talk through it and just make it okay? Yeah. So um, mindset, just really quickly, I'd like to touch on that. Mindset plays a huge role when we're doing everything. We've spoken a little bit about it today. How do you view mindset as um, something that highly impacts, obviously, someone who's, who's experiencing anxiety? Yeah, so I see it like this. We can kind of be in two perspectives at any time and and sometimes actually we can kind of be in both of them at at once. Um, And the first perspective is what I like to call the the fear and doubt bubble, which is where we sit when we're often in that anxiety or we're feeling really flat and low about lives or bad about about ourselves or um, feeling kind of like we are stuck and often in that state the world feels like it's this big like it's just everything's closing in um you might have a problem you're facing and you're just like there is no solution and it's just like I'm stuck and what am I going to do and I'm probably just like the mind thinks I'm probably just going to die even if we're not aware that that thought's there but it's like there's nowhere to go is kind of the sort of thinking and this is that limitation that you know I find myself in all the time still, it's just that I know I'm in it when I'm in it. And so in that sense, it doesn't, when I say all the time, it's not like on a, on a daily basis, but I just like something will happen, a curveball will be thrown my way and I'll go, oh, I'm just being, a, I call it sort of being a human for a bit. It's just like letting yourself feel the fear, letting yourself feel the doubt. What if I fail? What if it doesn't work? Um, we need to do that a little bit, but I'm, I'm suspicious of it. I have enough awareness around it to go, well, I'm in this limited mindset. I'm in the fear and doubt bubble right now. And so it's not worth trying to solve the problem right now I'm not going to find the answers that I'm looking for right now my brain just can't do it so what can I do all I can do is either press the stop button for a little bit um, go have a cold shower go for a walk what is what does my body need right now to be taken care of until I come back down into a more grounded state where I can actually see I'm actually using my prefrontal cortex instead like there's literal parts of our brain that we switch between using and 
the prefrontal cortex is where we make decisions. That's where we think clearly. And you're just not, that's just kind of not, not working at that point. So I'm sort of like, okay, I'm in this state right now. Um, I'm just going to go manage myself the way that I need to. And that's the mindset. That's the mindset of like, oh, like I'm in a mindset of fear and doubt. Um, and that's just kind of the state I'm in. And then once we've felt, often there's some emotion to feel there. There's some kind of care that needs to be um like that needs to happen in that sense whether it is like letting yourself have 10 minutes to cry or um you know eating some food like what do you need and then on the other side of that there's always this space of neutrality that we eventually come to and if you can't get to the neutrality it's probably because you do need to cry even if you're like I don't need to cry I just need to think harder about what the solution is it's like no I think you need to just stop and surrender and give in to what you're in right now And then from the neutral space, we get to switch our mindset into, okay, well, what am I not seeing here? I don't know what the answer is yet, but that doesn't mean there isn't one. There's always a solution and I'll find the way. Um, So starting to ask these open-ended questions that bring us into a more expanded mindset that serves us. And this is more of our higher self perspective where we can look at the zoomed out picture of our lives. Am I going to really care about this issue in a year from now or in six months from now? Um, It seems like such a huge thing now, but, you know, what is it in the scheme of my life? Is this is this failure? Like, let's say when we, we hit that place where we think we've failed at something, um, is this, or if we're at our rock bottom, is this really the end of the story or is this just a chapter in this ongoing unfolding story where I'm going to weave this into the juicy part of my success story? Yes. Like, I just think it's so helpful to frame our lives like a movie playing out and you just ask yourself, if this was a movie, it wouldn't just end here. This is like where you really get hooked into like that character's journey and you're like, oh, I want to see her win. And so she's going to look back and tell that story later about how she nearly gave up and she didn't. And I think that using that kind of um, dialogue with ourselves, telling a story of our lives that serves us is so incredibly powerful because at the end of the day, if you say you can you're, or you say you can't, either way you're right. So what are you going to believe? What are you going to tell yourself? Oh, that's such an amazing way to wrap up. I think that mindset is everything and the way that you describe that in terms of a movie really gives us that control back. So I really love that, Georgie. We have to. We have to just see ourselves as our own heroes, you know, guiding our way and be our own saviour because at the end of the day you are. You are your saviour. Um, that you've been waiting for. So true. Oh my goodness. I really think this has been an amazing chat. I think we could go on and on and on because there's so much when it comes to anxiety and mindset. And because there are so many different ways that people can be experiencing it, there's so many different ways that we can explain it and talk about it and take it. But I hope that it has been so helpful to our listeners. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Georgie. 